Blog Talk Radio. Challenging, thought-provoking, insightful. This is the Ninja Pastor with Sunday's God in Country with Dr. Sean. Hosted by nationally known speaker, Reverend Dr. Sean Michael Greener. Not your typical reverend. Dr. Sean is a proud U.S. military veteran, former law enforcement officer, founder of the internationally regarded executive protection team. Through his riveting national speaking, this ninja pastor tells it like it is. This show is biblically and politically engaged in the battle to save our country, with a pedal to the metal, with this Sunday's edition of Sundays with Dr. Sean. Buckle up. Here's your host, the author of the critically acclaimed book, Excellence Killed the Church, How Mediocrity is Destroying America, Reverend Dr. Sean, the Ninja Pastor, with today's message. Welcome, listeners. They're not applauding for me, by the way. They're applauding for the food. Listen, every week I try not to say anything about the food, and then every week this group outdoes itself. Crab cakes. We have ice cream. I don't know what kind. Of, what kind is that? Chocolate. Oh. Uh, it's gone, by the way. Um, fresh greens. Uh, all kinds of different casseroles, fried chicken, and crab cakes. Homemade crab cakes. A homemade beef stew that's not We've got blueberry. Is it lamb? Really? Lamb stew. My goodness, people. Homemade muffins or homemade muffins, homemade rolls. If you come here at five, you're gonna. If you leave here hungry, something's wrong with you. You're on some sort of weird diet if that's the case. So, um, welcome, listeners. By the way, last week, just so you know, uh, we we cracked twenty thousand. Listeners, just over 20,005. 20, so, and what's interesting is we have a contingent from Belgium and Germany now listening. We had that group from Switzerland, recruited by Sue, I'm sure, <laughs> Sue and Linda, uh, but when you were on your trip over there. But uh, there's a bunch of people that listen over there. It's actually a women's group, a women's Bible study group, which it was originally a book group. Then they listened to this program, and it became a Bible study group which I think is pretty cool. Uh, they were reading secular books, and they just, uh, it's kind of cool. It's just a, a really neat thing. But in Germany, I think it's interesting that there's a bunch of people, and they're actual Germans. Uh, they're Americans that are over there working or, or whatever. So so welcome, listeners, joining us all across the globe. Tonight we dive uh, into Second Thessalonians chapter 2 again. We'll be finishing this up, and then we're almost finished Second Thessalonians. And... Uh, I always forget uh, to tell you to list tomorrow to our show tomorrow. I'm going to tell you actually what it's going to be about, mostly because I don't know. <laughs> There's so many things. I mean, I probably have eight hours of stuff. Uh, and then right before the show starts, it's all this stuff happens, and then I just want to talk about all that. So, But uh, thank you very much. But um, while you're at it, while I'm remembering to tell you about tomorrow's show and this show, uh, then this is very, very important. While you have the chance, click on follow and subscribe here at blogradio.com backslash the Ninja Pastor. And if you use Twitter and Facebook, you follow us on uh, Twitter at, at the Ninja Pastor. And then on Facebook, you just sign up at facebook.com backslash God and Country Radio. Sean McLaren has this all fixed up. 
and he knows how to do it. And you just underneath the uh, cover photo, you click on sign up, and that's automatic. You do it. So if you're a Facebook person, super easy. Click on like while you're there. We're good to go. And the chat room is, in fact, open. Uh, last week we had some struggle with that. Um, I've gotten a lot of correspondence about the Monday show uh, last week with and Dr. Tom Borelli, and people were really, really pleased to hear from them. They really enjoyed them. Um, and they actually enjoyed being on the show. They told me they had a lot of fun. They felt really free to say what they wanted to say, and they got across what they wanted to get across. So they're eager to be back on. So anyway, so here we go. <clears throat> We're going to get started. Uh, this is second Thessalonians 2, I think, 5. Don't you remember people with you? I used to tell you these things. Anybody ever hear that from their parents or their big, big sibling? Like, uh, did I tell you? what? If I've told you once, I've told you what? A thousand times. So, so that's kind of how it works. I mean, that's that's how it works. We we have to be told stuff a lot. Sometimes we're told stuff in person, and and sometimes we listen really well, and sometimes we don't. Is it choppy? I wonder why. I don't know. Let's put this up here and see if it helps. Uh, I think the internet is really choppy. The signal is very. very so, those of you listening, I apologize for the uh, this is extremely weak. Barely, uh, barely even two bars. So, there we go. Thank you, brother. Um, so, don't you remember? <clears throat> In order for somebody to say, uh, "Don't you remember?" What did they have to do? They had to tell you something. And if they're saying, "Don't you remember?" What does that usually indicate? It usually indicates that they told you something important enough that you were supposed to remember that they wanted you to remember, and not just remember it, but to do it. Uh, there we go. Let's give that a try right there. Oh, that's a little better. So <clears throat> when Shaul, or Paul, was still uh, with him, or with this group, uh, he told him, he told this group things. Don't you remember that when I was still with you, I used to tell you these things? Shaul or Paul is saying, look, this was important enough for me to take my time to tell you, you should remember this. And then verse 6, and, you, and now you know what is restraining so that he may be revealed in his own time. Now, I'm going to explain that in a little bit. For already, I bet we'll even finish early. I bet we'll finish early. Who thinks we're going to finish early? Anybody raise your hand? I could get no. Oh, Big John in the back says he's. My one guy, long odds here. <laughs> you know me too well. There you go. He knows where the power switch is. And now you know what is restraining so that he may be revealed in his own time. What did we, remember last week I talked about the microwave society. Everybody, you know, I don't use microwaves. I set them on fire by accident. So, we're totally not kidding. I actually did set a microwave on fire. I don't know how to use them. But uh, I'm just not a huge fan of microwaves. I just as a means of heating food. Uh, but but let's say you're cooking something for a minute, uh, and then in about 40 seconds you're like, ah, that's good enough, thing, and you take it out. You know, we can't even wait a minute. We're so we're in such a rush. Everything has to be in our time. But the way things actually work is in God's time. 
And that's the hardest lesson for us to really, really take is that this is about God. This isn't about our time. It's about God's time. We do things in God's time. For already, this separating from Torah is at work secretly, but it will, this is verse 7, but it will it will be secretly only until he who is restraining is out of the way. This sounds like some funny language here. So, Shaul in verse 6 and 7, Shaul wrote to the Thessalonians, and now you know uh, what, and then in, in verse 7, who is restraining. Look, they knew, the audience, this is why I say it's so important for you to know who your audience actually is. Because they knew. They knew. Shaul was talking to them. He, when he's saying about the person who's restraining all of this, uh, the person who's separating Torah, they knew. We don't know because we're confused by it. We read it now and we think, what's he talking about? Who's that? And we make guesses the best we can. But that's why we have to study. I, I say it all the time. Um, you're never going to have a, a deep relationship with God unless you take the time, not just here, but in other places, you take the time to study it. And not just reading scripture, but also commentaries and things of that nature. And some you agree with, some you don't agree with. Some biblical scholars and theologians, you're going to agree with some, you're not going to agree with others. There are some pastors who will say, all you need is a scripture. And, and technically speaking, that is true. If we truly submit ourselves to Rakh Kodesh, which is the Holy Spirit. But the problem is, most of us don't actually do that. Most of us don't surrender to the Holy Spirit when we read, when we pray, when we enact our life. And I'll explain that more in a minute. So the people, the audience who he was speaking to, the church at the gathering, the Kehla at Thessaloniki, they, they, they knew who he was talking about, but we don't know. According to Ernest Best, I love his name. Can never argue with that. The first and second epistles to the Thessalonians, he wrote a book and uh, on 295, page 295 through 302, interpreters have suggested various candidates for the restrainer. Who might the restrainer be? God, the Messiah, the Holy Spirit, the Roman Empire, the preaching of the gospel, and some force hostile to God. There are arguments against all of these, but the last makes the most sense to uh, Dr. Best, um, since the phrase is out of the way, can reasonably be applied to the adversary Satan, who holds sway in the world now. And we have evidence of that in Ephesians 6, 11 through 13, uh, 1 Peter or Kepha, uh, 5, 8, 1 Yohanan or 1 John 5, 19, but will be dealt with in the future by God, which Talks about that in Revelation 12, uh, uh, 13, and 20. At that time, Satan will send forth the man who avoids Torah. Ernest Best offers his, his, uh, this interpretive translation of verses 6 through 7. <clears throat> this is him saying, if I'm to interpret this in modern everyday language, this is what I'm going to say. And now you are aware of the hostile occupying power so that the man of rebellion will be revealed at its proper time. For the mystery, which is rebellion, is already at work. Only until the hostile power at present in occupation is out of the way, and then the rebel will be revealed. So in verse 8, then the one who embodies 
separation from Torah will be revealed. The one whom the Lord Yeshua will slay with the breath of his mouth, destroy by the glory of his coming. Now, um, you've heard people use the word embody other people. Um, that guy, your uh, violin playing, Steve's violin playing, embodies excellence. Your firefighting embodies excellence. Your, all of your cooking embodies excellence. That's, that's you guys. Everybody embodies some form of something about something embodied that we are we it, it's almost like that almost defines us wow this person is like this this person is this you see what i mean embodies the one who embodies separation from torah the one who is separation from torah the one who represents and pushes and forces separation from torah you might say well what's the separation from torah um and I hear uh, postmodern Western evangelical uh, pastors, I hear them talk about this sort of sideways. It's a sideways, and they'll change the word from Torah to the law, separation from the law. They'll change it to the law, and the two aren't necessarily the same thing. That's important to know. What he's saying here, the one, then the one who embodies separation from Torah will be revealed. The one whom the Lord Yeshua will slay. We know how it ends. He says right here, the one whom the Lord Yeshua will slay with the breath of his mouth and destroy by the glory of his coming. Here's the crazy thing. This is all kind of laid out for us. It's hard for us to understand because we struggle a little bit. The Bible is a unique uh, library of 66 books written by many different authors. Uh, even though Shaul wrote many, many books, there's a contiguousness there. But the, the span of time was tremendous. Some were fishermen, some were physicians and lawyers and, uh, you know, tax collectors and all these other things. There was, it's such a diverse and amazing crowd. And yet, if you really know what you're reading and understand the contextual uh, continuity, it's, it's this finely woven thread that goes together to create a library of books that gives us tremendous knowledge. The deal with it is, is how many of you ever read Tom Clancy? Anybody ever read God Your Soul, Tom Clancy? I had the pleasure of writing uh, years and years and years and years, many, many years ago. I didn't even know who Tom Clancy, I didn't know this was the Tom Clancy. I knew who Tom Clancy was, <clears throat> but I didn't know this was the Tom Clancy. I rode uh, motorcycles on a trip with him, actually spent uh, a couple evenings together um, riding, we happened to be riding the same direction, and we enjoyed a lot of time. It wasn't until we were saying goodbye, and he hands me his little card that says, all it says on the card is his personal phone number, Tom Clancy, author. Cool. And Yeah, so I just kind of looked at the card and swallowed really hard and said, you're Tom Clancy, the, the Tom Clancy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I just was, I was just stunned that I had been spending all this time with this great, great guy, and he really was a humble, everyday, regular guy. Um, had a fantastic BMW motorcycle, but that's a whole other story. But the bottom line is, the bottom line is, when you read Tom Clancy, you have to really kind of pick it apart, folks. You can't just real quick, you can't breeze through. Nobody skims Tom Clancy. Right? Anybody in here have an author they love to read that's 
kind of difficult to read. You have to apply yourself. Name some people. Skip Moen. Skip Moen. Thank you very much, Dr. Skip Moen. My esteemed professor. Shakespeare. Say it again. Peter Lobat. Peter Any others? Anybody else read? You love to read them, but they're hard to read. You've got to really apply yourself. So there's so suffice it to say, there are lots of people that are hard to read. You better he better not have said me. He did say me. <laughs> I'm the author that's hard from the read. Can't believe that. Good luck getting home. Excellent skill to church on mediocrity is destroying America. Another thing I always forget to do. My family says, How are we eat if you never sell your book? It's so funny. I, I bumped into somebody the other day at the uh, what was it the uh, the Walgreens at the pharmacy. I just forgot about this. Who bought my book? I don't even know who this person is. They bought my book and they saw the picture on the back flap of the book, and then they saw me standing there waiting on my uh, prescription, and they said, "Are you Sean Greener?" And I said, "Yeah." And I'm a little nervous, you know. There's a lot of crazy stuff going on. I've made a few enemies. And uh, they said, you wrote that book, Excellence Killed the Church. And I said, yeah, I did. Looking for weapons, of course, checking them down, making sure mine is close reach, taking a defensive position behind the aspirants. <laughs> but, uh, but no, it, it was the funniest thing. I, I just remember that just now. Uh, it's the funniest thing. It's funny how it happens, but I don't sell book enough. Um, and I, am, I promise I'm still working on the follow-up to that. But my point in here is, is that, listen, the Bible is a book, a library of that is complex, and we have to accept its complexities. We have to accept the fact that we have to dig in like we are hungry. We have to dig in like we're hungry to understand, to take it to ourselves. We don't, I'm writing a piece for, um, uh, I'm working on another doctorate now, uh, a doctorate in ministry, and I'm, I'm working on a piece now where I talk about the modern church and lessons that First and Second Corinthians teach the modern church. And one of the things I talk about is it refers to, if you read the complete Jewish Bible, you see this is to God's messianic congregation. God's messianic congregation. So you're reminded, whose church is it? What do we do in the modern church? Everything becomes about us. The feeling we have, I talk about, you know, there's 35 minutes of off the chain, almost like uh, you're at a rock concert, music, and then 15 to 20 minutes of an extremely weak sermon that's, you know, from a guy whose first name only, wears his affliction shirt, and looks hip, trendy, and cool. And it's so soft. It's so light. Now, that church, for a lot of people, very appropriate initially initially. But if you expect to grow, you got to go deeper. You've got to dig in. You can love all of the things about the gospel story. You can love to hear those things. And I love to preach those things. It's fun to do, but there's more to the book. So you had Tom Clancy's book. And, you know, Tom Clancy writes books that are two or three inches thick. If you have his book and you say, you know, I don't want to read the first 250 pages. I want to read the last 250 pages which many of his books, like Mishner. Anybody ever read Mishner? Mishner was one of my favorite writers. Chesapeake Bay, he lived in that area. Uh, one of my favorite writers. But look, you can't skip over anything <clears throat> with that. And it's the same way with Scripture. It's the same way with Scripture. So we have to work our way through and understand all the little things. Maybe we're not going to understand it today, but if we're blessed with a, a long life and we spend time in study and worship um, 
of God, he will reveal it to us. Why? Because we've said we're hungry and we're thirsty for your word and we're willing. You're going to hear more about that in a second. So anyway, then the one who embodies separation from Torah will be revealed. The one whom the Lord Yeshua will slay, he will slay with the breath of his mouth and destroy by the glory of his coming. Look, I get asked this a lot, and I understand why. Dr. Sean, I'm terrified for this nation. I don't know what we're going to do as a nation. I don't think we have a future as a nation. Lots of people have gotten a hold of me and said, look, you know, I think it's time to activate bug out plan and to to jet, to go someplace in Idaho, in the, in the hills of Idaho. I think it's time for that. And you know what? They might be right. They might be right. Uh, hey, you know, is there a country out there we can move to? Because this country is gone. This is over. We've, we've allowed this to, to happen. Um, and so... And my answer to that is always the same, is I don't, I, for me personally, the time to bug out is not here. The, t- the time to pull the plug and say, you know what, we're done on this little experiment called liberty and freedom. It's not now, and it's not here. As far as I'm concerned, I'm to fight until the Lord comes back. That's what he's given me to do. Different people have different things, mandates from God. Some people, you know, maybe that is their calling to go and to separate themselves from society and say, hey, you know what, I've had enough. Uh, I can tell you we're working on, maybe this might be, uh, Robert, this might be on tomorrow's show. We might talk about this tomorrow, uh, talking about, he brought up uh, Iran. Youngest guy here, I'm pretty sure he's the youngest guy here, brought up Iran. How can we do business, make no mistake, we're making a deal with the adversary, with the devil. We're making a deal with Iran. And that deal is only privy, the only people privy to that deal are Barack Obama and his cabinet, the select ones in his cabinet, and the ones that he wants to know, and Iran. We're going totally outside what our, what our Constitution says and what Congress is to do. Now, now, that's bad enough. But there should be calls, serious calls for impeachment of the president and his entire staff that's working on this. Iran uh, treaty, because it is absolutely treaty with the devil. It is treasonous, and it should not be permitted. Under these conditions, it is absolutely treasonous. And I'm not saying that for hyperbole. If you, if you know the Constitution, if you know the laws of our land, it is treasonous. And the fact that our, sadly, allegedly conservative Congress has not yet called this administration on the carpet in a forceful way is sickening to me. But make no mistake about it, however however this goes with this treaty and all the other stuff that's happening, however this goes, we know this, this verse tells us Yeshua will slay with the breath of his mouth and destroy by the glory of his coming. Kind of eagerly awaiting the glory of his coming, but yet a little afraid. You know what? If we're eagerly awaiting the glory of his coming, what they're talking about here, but we're not a little bit fearful, we don't understand it's going to happen. And if you want to understand what happened, go to the ninpastor.com. Go back and listen to it's a free series, also on iTunes. 
free series on end times. I do a whole thing. This group here, the Kela, most of you were here for that, uh, and it was it was a it was off the chain thing talking about the end times and obviously you have to be revealed um, and all the things that are going to happen in detail. So you, you can get that. It's free of charge. When this man who avoids Torah, this is verse nine. When this man, ooh, what's that telling us? It's not going to be some entity. It's not going to be some group. It's going to be one man. When this man who avoids Torah comes, give him the power to work all kinds of false miracles, signs, and wonders. Listen, people are going to come at us as the Christian Christian society, as the followers of the way, however you self-identify. Uh, if you believe in Christ and, and you, uh, you, you, know, you, you believe uh, that God is the creator of this universe, that he sent us on all these things, you believe these, these tenets of our faith. If you're a believer of that, you are susceptible, believe it or not, and I mean this with a sincere heart, you are susceptible to the the false miracles, the signs, and the wonders. We are all susceptible to that. Why? Because we all want to see some miracle worked. We all are hungry to see the power of God enacted here on the terra firma, on the earth. We want to see God do amazing things so that we can point and say, my God did that. We all want that. And that's a normal thing. We it, It's okay to want that. It's okay to hunger for that. And you know what? God does miracles all the time. And we see them, some of them, and some of them we don't see. Some of them we acknowledge and some of them we don't acknowledge. Some of them we give attribution and glory where it doesn't belong. We give it to man. We give it to, um, you know, even, even a beautiful day. The past several days uh, here in the Northeast have been amazing. They've been gorgeous, so pretty. And, you know, it's very easy to look outside and just say, this is, well, we've been lucky. We've gotten three beautiful days in a row. Now, I'm going to say something, and then I'm going to give you the other thing. The something is, I prefer to say, it's not amazing. It doesn't need beautiful days. But here's the flip side. Here's the flip side. When you point to a beautiful day, you give glory to God in that day, and you say, oh, my goodness, I'm so close to God right now in this beauty of nature. Newsflash. When the floods come, when the lightning and the thunder, when the, the, the intense heat, when the stifling humidity, you know, all of these things happen. also made that day. God also made that day. So my encouragement to you is don't ever complain about the weather because you're complaining about the maker of the weather. Um, ultimately, you know, there's a big discussion. The global warming discussion is really heating up. Yeah? Yeah? I've been waiting to hear that. Oh, my God. Right? Right? Heating up. That's a good one, Sean. Uh, poor Sean. He should have never said that. He's so good, but when he uses his own joke, or he's got a bad writer. So, uh, so no, when we complain, <laughs> when we complain about the weather, we're complaining about the nature of the weather. And so this whole global warming thing, let me be clear. I've got a ton of letters. Apparently last week I must have gone off a little uh, rant on global warming. I don't remember it. Maybe it was during the show or something. I don't know. Um, but I got a lot of emails 
saying, how can you possibly be a thinking person with doctorate level degrees and you don't believe that we're having an impact? How can you look at all of the science and the data? And I, my response was, show me your science and data, and then I'll tell you why. And I've yet to hear from any of them. There's a whole bunch of them. Show me. You show me your science and data, and then I will show you why this is a big fat line. They're like, well, why would we lie about this? Why are you Republicans so resistant? And I'm, you know, not a Republican. I'm only Republican during the tr primary. Otherwise, I'm independent because I like to vote in the primary. Um, I'm, I'm wily. I'm a wily one. Yeah, I switch. Hardly. Uh, but uh, what happens is um, there's. Let me just say there's there's so much political capital wrapped up in this global warming argument, and people wonder why. It's money. It's money and power, and the only people in a position to take your money and draw power from you are the left, the ones screaming about it. Now, are there people that believe it? Yes, absolutely. I know of somebody that believes believed in global warming. She was a hardcore leftist, hardcore, until she went to the Galapagos Islands, and then she went to Patagonia, and she went to Antarctica, and then she said, Maybe, just maybe, I've been told a lot. It's not what they said. And then I know people live on the Arctic that, that live right there. They, they live, you know, really, really, really far up. And, and they said, you know, when we came here, we fully expected to see a bunch of melting and poor, uh, you know, polar bears not able to make, you know, polar bears swim. That's what they do. They're amphibious creature as well. Um, they... Uh, they're amazing swimmers, so they're used to it. It's not some new thing. Oh, we got to learn to swim. Where's the ice? You know, it's, it doesn't work that way. They've been swimming forever. So my point is, is, is my friend went there and said, I expected to see that. And so she went and she asked, she said, hey, what's going on here? Where's all the melting and global warming? And they chuckled at her and said, you know, sometimes it's cold here and sometimes it's colder. <laughs> You know, that's what happens. Sometimes we have a big, thick ice, and sometimes we have not as thick of ice. Sometimes we have a little earlier melt. Sometimes we have a little later melt, but in all this time. So anyway, my point in that is you're going to have people that use different tools to draw you. These all kinds of false miracle signs and wonders, some of that could be. This is just Dr. Sean talking. Some of that could be ideologies that they put in front of you and say, here, this is real. You have to react to this, and this is what you have to do. I'm just saying, some of it is not going to look like a guy in a purple hat with a star and a moon cut out, you know, and a little little cape and a wand. It's it's not going to look like that. It's also not going to look like Benny Hinn. Benny Hinn walking out in his white tailor-made suit, pressing on somebody's head, talking about being healed, and then he falls down, and somebody catches him, and all of a sudden they're healed from everything under the sun. So they leave. Uh, so the point is, the point is, is it's not all going to look like that. It's not going to look like that. And Christians were so hungry, right? We're so hungry for God because we're told to hunger and thirst after righteousness. We're so hungry for God. That we're hungry for things of God. And we want to see this. We want to attribute this to God. But we have to be wary. We have to be wary. Slippery slope, because Yeshua came. And he laid his hands on people, and he, and he spit into the dirt and made mud and made sight, gave sight to the blind. Why could he do that? Why could he do that? He could do that because 
his father, God, Adonai Elohim, the optic nerve of the blood vessel, every single piece of the human body he knit together, wonderfully and fearfully made. That's why he could spit into the ground and gather up mud and put it on the guy, and all of a sudden he could heal. He, he healed people. But you know what? The flip side of being wary is Yeshua, people doubted him. People doubted him. So it, it's a careful thing. Here's the other thing. I'm just going to give you a little assurance. It's going to help you out so you don't worry, so you can sleep well tonight. Yeshua is coming again. But when he comes again, he's not coming like he did the first time. It's not going to happen like that. It's not going to happen like that. I talk about that in our uh, end times series. All right, so verse 10, I beat that to death. He will enable him to deceive in all kinds of wicked ways. Well, let me just say this, and this will be, you'll find this ironic. I did get a bunch of messages last week. Remember last week, all of a sudden I looked down and it was, the time was up for the radio audience. It was like one minute to go or something. The biggest comment I got last week was, do you not have a watch? <laughs> here, here's evidence that I have a watch right here. I have a watch. But and there's a clock right here, but I just forget to look at it. I kind of like doing this. So verse 10, he will enable him to deceive in all kinds of wicked ways those who are headed for destruction because they would not receive the love of the truth that could have saved them now. There's a lot in that verse. He will enable him to deceive, what? In all kinds of wicked ways, those who are headed for destruction. In other words, if you're headed for destruction, you're going to be able to be deceived. And who is it up to? You. You're either, you either receptive to that path of destruction or you're not. You're either welcoming to that path of destruction or you're not. Those who are headed for destruction because they would not receive the love of the truth, not the truth, the love of the truth, so much deeper, so much more powerful than just the truth. You say you don't see miracles? I just said, there's a miracle, just walked in. You don't see miracles? There's one. You can touch him, shake him. Well, I don't know if you want to touch him or not. He might not want a bunch of people to touch him. <laughs> By the way, you missed out on some crazy good food. I'm just saying. Marcus. Uh, so, because they would not receive the love of the truth that could have saved them. How many people do you know that are that are not listening? You, you they're in a path. I just I just uh, had a terrible experience in my life, a horrible experience. Several weeks ago, uh, the girl that did my braces was with me day one, just for years, put me, you know, did all the different things. You know, every six weeks I'm seeing this girl for an hour or more. Delightful girl, 22 years old, wonderful, wonderful girl, sharp, sharp, sharp. And yet she was in the grip of addiction, didn't even know it. Until the last three times that I went to see her, I said, something's not right. Something's not right. Are you okay? Yeah, I'm okay. I'm just not feeling blah, blah, blah. And then, and then the week, the Sunday after my last appointment, she died of an overdose. 22 years, I ended up speaking at her funeral and her memorial service. Uh, I was devastated. I, I, and really, to be honest with you, some folks have asked me, why are you so devastated the loss of this person? She was just your, your orthodontics tech. What? But this is a person, every six weeks, for an hour or more, I looked forward to 
our issues and back and forth. And she was just a delight. And here's the crazy thing. She was great at her job. She was really good at her job up until the end. The truth is, the truth that would save her is God. The truth that would save her is the Holy Spirit releasing her from her addiction, her hurts and her habits and her hangups. The truth that would save her was and is God. I have to know, based on our conversations, that she knew God. She knew Jesus. And she's in heaven now. I know I know that. I don't have any doubt. When I, when I preached at her funeral, I had no doubt at all that she knew God because she was very clear about it. But here's the crazy thing. We've got to love truth. Right now, we're being told in this country, uh, and the folks listening in Germany and, and Belgium and Switzerland, I have to say, God bless you. I have to that listen in Greece. I don't know if they're listening tonight. I don't even know if, if some of them even have power. The story we're getting from Greece is not accurate, by the way. The American press is not telling you the truth. It is far worse. There are literally hundreds upon hundreds of suicides, people going up to holy places and throwing themselves off because they can't pay their bills. Their retirement has been shut off. All of these things have happened. Now, the largesse of Greece is unsustainable, quite frankly. And, and there's a lot that has to happen. I don't know if that country, can you imagine Greece? We're talking about Thessaloniki here. We're talking about Thessalonica. We say that it's actually Thessaloniki. But uh, we're talking about that, a great place in Greece that exists today. That might no longer be a country of bad decisions that those that lead them, that say, hey, we know the way that led them astray. Because they would not receive the love of the truth that could have saved them. We are in a situation in a state here today where we've rejected truth. We've rejected righteousness. We've rejected Listen, I can say, I can say with absolute assurance, um, absolute confidence, look, there's some things, a lot of things about the Bible I don't know. I've studied the Bible my whole life for the last 11 years. I've spent a lot of time with some of the greatest theological thinkers, greatest theologians, I think, in the world. I've been blessed. And I still don't know a third of what's in this book. But I do know the Constitution because it's a tiny document. I do know the founding documents of this country because they're small and they're simple. They're small and they're simple and they're short and they're plain. And the warning was given to us by our founding fathers, people who were behind the Origins of this country, I believe, propelled by God to found this country. That we know clearly. There's no question. The fact that we can argue about First Amendment, Tenth Amendment, the freedom to associate, and all these things, the fact that there's a major city in the South, in Memphis, talking about digging up a general, a Confederate general, and destroying the monument to him. You know, there's a move afoot right now to rename the Washington Monument. 
because Washington owned slaves. And Jefferson as well. Folks, the, the position that we're in right now, first of all, let me say, not about a flag. It's not about, you say, what does this have to do? What at all does this have to do with this? I'm not defending slavery. It was an abhorrent behavior, absolutely. But guess what? Slavery existed in biblical times as well. The greatest purveyors of slavery were and still are the only places in the world now that slavery is still practiced outside of sex slavery are in African countries and in the Middle East. That's a fact. Because they would not receive the love of the truth. Listen, folks, it applies to what we're going through as a nation. You see, the press in this country keeps us from seeing how bad it is. I said a moment ago, it's way worse in Greece than we realize. Why don't we realize? Because the American press is being driven to report something that simply isn't so. I can't imagine, I can't imagine a conservative president or a conservative administration right now trying to work a deal with Iran and not being millions of people lining up at the gates of the White House and at the gates of Congress to say, you better do something. We can't negotiate with these crazy people. But the press is, is part of it. I'm sorry to tell you, you believe things you're told on television and, and in print, and you have to be wary. I talked a moment ago about being wary of these signs and wonders. Be wary of the things you read. Scrutinize what you read, because we're being led to slaughter. We're being led to our end, and in many cases, we're believing it. This whole thing uh, about, you know, we talk about wicked ways and headed for destruction. Look, I'm overweight. I'm probably at least 30 pounds overweight, at least 30 pounds overweight. And that's a huge sin for me because my body is my temple. It's the temple for the Lord's use. That's, that's, he gave me this, and I'm to worship him through this. My job to take care of it. And, and ultimately, I have to answer for that, don't I? I do. I absolutely do. And, and, and many other sins, many, many other sins I'm guilty for. Trust me, it's a pile. It's a whole, whole big pile. But here's the crazy thing. When we're told that the rainbow flag is precious and not to be burnt or, or uh, denigrated in any way, many white and black soldiers fought and died. And we're told that and any vestiges of that time frame, they need to be destroyed. They need to be taken out of the public discourse. They need to be taken out of the schools. Schools now, there's, uh, I think there's like 160 Robert E. Lee schools that now the, the, uh, the leadership, the governance in those areas are saying, hey, we need to think about changing the name of the school. Some of these schools are 70 years old. Folks, these are the crazy things that we see. And you see parades. I can't wear a, a shirt with a cross on it with a verse, specific verse, without being labeled as a hater or a bigot. But somebody can walk on the streets of New York City and on the streets of San Francisco, watched a little bit of the, the other night, so that I could be able to tell you, and my family could bob their head and say, yeah, we saw it. It was horrible. 
It was the most disgusting. The pride parades on the East and West Coast were absolutely not to be believed. It was debauchery beyond wickedness. And eventually, actually, Doyle said, you know, have you seen enough? Because I've seen enough. And we changed the channel. And that's reality, folks. And we're told they are heroes. They are heroes. We're being told everything that is up is now down. Everything that's down is now up. It's absolutely lunacy. And these speak to the times that we're in. Verse 11, this is why this is why God is causing them to go astray. I said that out loud, didn't I? <laughs> this is why God is causing them to go astray so that they will believe the lie. The result will be that all who have not believed the truth, not done the truth, not preached the truth, not spoken the truth, but believe the truth. God knows whether you believe the truth or you don't believe the truth. God knows whether you're just bobbing your head in church and hearing this story, mm-hmm, yes, Lord. And then you get out of church and you're like, mm, I don't know. First time you get questioned about it, you clam up. You just lock it down. That's the crazy thing, folks. That is the crazy thing. This is the hard part of this. This is the hard part of this. This is why God is causing them to go astray, so that they will believe the lie. The result will be that all who have not believed the truth but have taken their pleasure in wickedness will be condemned. Folks, those people parading up and down the streets and, and virtually nothing, and in many cases, nothing. There was one guy marching up and down the streets with nothing on but a cape. And he didn't get arrested. In New York, there were homosexuals having sex in broad daylight on the street within view of police officers, and they weren't arrested. And look, I'm not making homosexuality the whipping, pardon the pun, the whipping boy, sorry, for for all the troubles of the world. But folks, this is something we're told was was coming to us. They shall be lovers of themselves. But we have to keep thanking God. This is verse 13. For you always, brothers, whom the Lord loves, because God chose you as first fruits for deliverance by giving you the holiness that has its origin in the spirit and the faithfulness that has its origin in the truth. If you don't know what you believe, you have no foundation. You know why David Barton... David Barton, by the way, is taking a lot of heat right now for going on the Kenneth Copeland show. And if you see him on the Kenneth Copeland show, ton of heat. He's taking a ton of heat for going on that show because Kenneth Copeland says some really crazy, really off the wall, not so thing. They say, well, why would such a guy like uh, David Barton, why would he go on that show? And I'm not going to go on a big rant about David Barton, but the fact is, is David Barton is a, is a minister of the gospel. And you know, this is the most Christ-like guy I know. I mean, he is absolutely not to be believed in how he lives his life. The tenants through he lives his life. Rick Green, cut from the same cloth. An amazing, amazing, amazing man. Uh, Chris Ann Hall, great patriot. You saw her here. She speaks all over the country. My goodness, the girl doesn't stop. She forgets to eat because she's so busy. These are great patriots. 
and they stand up and they and they preach and they and they speak with such power and such um, just the underpinnings of what they're saying. The conviction is so strong, and you have to ask yourself: Is it just that they're great speakers? Because all three of the ones I've named are great speakers. They're inarguably great speakers. I think. I think all three of them are great speakers. Very compelling. And yet, you can't chalk it up to just that they're just great speakers. Have to look at their foundation. They are so firm in their foundation. What they believe scripturally, what they believe about the history of the founding of this country. They're unwavering. They're unmoved. And when you're unwavering and you're unmoved, you can speak authority. Here's the thing. Here's the really crazy thing. The left has taught you and taught me and taught everybody in the sound of my voice, listen, if you stand up for something and you have any skeletons in your closet, then you are every single person, including me, within the sound of my voice, has skeletons in your closet. Every single person, including me, has hurts, habits, and hang-ups that you wouldn't want somebody else to know. But here's the thing. They've, they've taught us, they've said to us, they force it on us, look, don't speak out because you got stuff too. But here's the politics of personal destruction. The politics of the personal destruction say, listen, we're going to know, we're going to have our operatives out there, we're going to learn all kinds of things about people, and then at the right time, if they ever rise to power, if they're ever in a position of influence, we're going to bring out that information. J. Edgar Hoover is a great example of the, one of the originators of that. Petraeus, uh, General Petraeus. Look, they knew for they knew at his they knew before his confirmation at his vetting. He filled it out in his writing. Look, this is something that happened. You just need to be aware of it. If it disqualifies me, it disqualifies me. No, no problem. Won't be a problem. And then look what happened there. So. They keep us back off of X, right? They keep us backed up on our heels because we're all afraid of appearing as though we feel we have some level of authority. And that's unfortunate. And I'll tell you why it's unfortunate, because I may be wrong about some things, but I'm not wrong about everything. I may be right about some things, but I'm not right about everything. But what I stand, I say to you, mark my words, this is truth. You can bet it's truth, and it's truth I'm willing to die for. It's also truth that I'm willing to live for. The origin, the first fruits for deliverance by giving this in verse 13, the holiness that has its origin in the spirit and the faithfulness that has its origin in the truth. Look, if your faith is, is severely being challenged right now, it's okay to accept that. And acknowledge that. It's okay. I know solid Christians, been solid Christians for 40 years, who based on what's going on in this country now are rethinking their 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 uh doctrines of their of their different um what do they call them? Denominations, uh that their the origins of their faith, they're 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 doubting what they believe. Because they say, look, I don't want to be a hater, I don't want to be a racist, I don't want to be a bitch, I don't want to be uh, homophobe, don't want to be any of those things. But you have to know where your origin is. What is it? Is it in the spirit? Is it is, is the faithfulness? Is that the origin of your truth? 
He called you, this is 14, called you to this through our good news that you could have the glory of our Lord Yeshua, the Messiah. Called you to this. The church at Thessalonica, they were going through terrible stuff, both internally and externally. Any preacher that stands up and tells you, as soon as you raise your hand or text the number yes, why to the number so-and-so indicating that you've placed your faith in Christ, uh, that everything's going to be easy, is a liar. They are a charlatan. It most likely will get harder in the natural sense. It most likely will get more difficult in the natural to be living a life based on Scripture and based on Christ. I tell you, it ain't easy, and it's not going to get any easier. In fact, at the end, it's going to get harder. Here's the newsflash. There's Christians all over the world right now being slaughtered because they will not reject Christ. They will not reject God. That's happening now. And he called us to it just like he called the church at Thessalonica. But here's what's interesting. So that you could have the glory of our Lord, Yeshua the Messiah, the uh, Ironman triathlon uh, the other day. And these athletes are some of the fittest in the world. And I watched it and I said, man, this is amazing. This is powerful stuff. This takes a special person. This takes a person who rejects pain and discomfort. They were swimming in huge swells with sharks all around. It was crazy. And then they rode their bikes for 102.2 miles open water swim and then riding bikes 112 miles through the energy lab on the big island over 100 degrees. And then they ran 26 miles, a full marathon, 26.2 miles, all in the same day. Some of them did it in just under nine hours. Look, you got to be committed. you got to be committed. If you want that glory of crossing the finish line, breaking that tape first, or even just completing that, here's something you need to know. It's going to take a lot of struggle daily. It's going to take a lot of putting yourself last, your pleasures and your wants last, and more of saying, okay, this is something I have to do if I want to achieve this, this is something I have to do. If we want to have glory of the Lord Yeshua the Messiah, we're going to have to go through some stuff. You might say, hey, you know what? You sound like a works preacher. Sound like a Mormon. No, it's, it's not a Mormon thing. It's what's coming. It's the reality. Therefore, brothers, 15, therefore, brothers, stand firm and hold to the traditions you were taught by us or wrote them in a letter. Stand firm and hold to the traditions you were taught. We're being told now traditions are all wrong. In secular society, we are being told any tradition of marriage is all wrong. Now they're working to undo. Remember what I said, uh, what was it, a year and a half ago? I said, standing right here, I said, folks, it is about the right, air quotes, the right to marry. It isn't about that. It's about far more than that. That Confederate flag was never about that flag. That flag coming down was never going to solve anything. People are still killing people in Chicago. We're supposedly you're not allowed to have a gun. Founders 
are all being picked at and dug at to the point now where they're actually digging up Confederate heroes and tearing down their statues. To the point now where it's no longer, and now I pronounce you husband and wife, even in secular but legal marriage between a man and a woman, they're seeking to take away that language such that if you use that language, it shall not be considered a legal marriage. Remember what I said. It was never about equality. Hold to the traditions you were taught by us. Folks, we were taught by all the great history teachers that we had growing up. We were taught the founding of this country. We were taught the sacrifices that were made. We were taught all of these things. We were taught... I know I was taught, I can't speak for you, taught about, thank you, Jerry. Uh, I was taught these things. But today we're being told that those are wrong, that those are bad traditions. Why? Because they want to be God, our country. They want to be God, our country. Thank you very much for joining me. Um, gosh, we just, we run out of time. I have up to two hours I could take, but I don't want to keep you here two hours, and I'm sure people have stuff to do on Sunday. Join me tomorrow. Uh, we're going to talk more about some of this, a good bit of this. Uh, it could be a rant. I could be off the chain. That could happen. I know that you know that could happen if you listen to the show. Join us next time for Sundays with Dr. Sean. And please follow this show and the Collision of Faith and Politics radio show during the week at www dot blogtalkradio.com forward slash the ninja pastor and follow dr sean on twitter at the ninja pastor and on facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash god in country radio and check out all the free messages archive shows and buy dr sean's critically acclaimed book excellence killed the church how mediocrity is destroying america at www drshawngreener.com Join us during the week. And in the meantime, Dr. Sean will be fighting for you and for this great country. Thank you for joining us in this fight.